Welcome to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra competitive siblings. My name's Jem and I'm joined today by my honorary sibling, Tim. Hello, Jem. Thanks for having me back. Lovely to see your face again. It's been so long. <laughs> yes, we saw each other last night, which you will hear yeah. a lot about. And uh, we are still in lockdown here in the UK. So um, we saw each other virtually for now. Um, yes, thanks for coming back on the pod, Tim. It's actually uh, my usual co-host, Erin's birthday today. Oh, well, he's off the hook for not wanting to um, be working. I'm sure he's got some birthday antics afoot. Yeah, um, he keeps uploading videos of him just singing beer, 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 beer. Right. beer. I love beer. So um, I think that's what he's doing today. Uh... So it's probably all for the best that he's not on here tonight. Then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't get much sense. Yeah, and obviously I can't hang out with him because lockdown. So um, mm. I'm hanging out with you instead. Yay. <laughs> um, and speaking of lockdown, we mm. finally in the last week here in the UK have had some indication of the slight easing of lockdown and some dates that we can look forward to. And so we thought, why not use this opportunity to talk about games that deal with escaping? So uh, today we're going to be discussing escape room games you can do from home <laughs> and we're going to be talking about uh desktop escape room games and also things that you can play online so that brings us nicely to what the heck did we do last night tim <laughs> how many times have you asked me that question <laughs> over the well, oh god 20 years we've known each other um I've asked you that quite a did, few times. <laughs> did we do last night? Well, this one this one was legit. Um, we paid money for it, so it oh, wow. was legit. Um, <laughs> we <hope> decided. <laughs> well, some some things happen. I mean, it was quite you know it was quite the adventure. Maybe we did witness a crime. Who knows? Um, it was all very involved. So we decided to explore the. Uh, adventure, mystery, murder, mystery, escape room type experience that was Plymouth Point, which is the first in a trilogy of scenarios from Swamp Motel. Mm -hmm. Swamp Motel is a company that has good theatrical credentials. They are um, to, founded by two people who are formerly of Punch Drunk. So if you've been to see any of their big productions, they, they toured nationally like... Um, uh, Sleep No More and The Drowned Man, which was incredible. And I can't believe that was seven years ago now. Um, or even they collaborated on the um, Sky Arts Drama uh, The Third Day recently as a big like eight hour or something theatrical installation with, with Jude Law where they filmed nonstop across this slightly Wicker Man scenario in the island. And you can see all of those sort of slightly sinister cultish folk horror influences coming through in this adventure that we had yeah so talk to us about i mean obviously i was there so i'll chip in a little bit but tell us a bit about what the setup was in a nutshell so we merry band of four that we were got our invite to a zoom call and on we went and there was a mysterious other person called Catherine, 
who was <laughs> waiting for us. And we were, when you land on there, you're like, is this our guide? Is this an error? Has she come to the wrong room? Yeah. What's going on? But you're very quickly immersed in the idea that you are part of a sort of neighborhood watch. And this neighbor has called to say that she's very concerned about one of the other neighbors called Ivy, who seems to have gone missing. At that point, she has some internet troubles and disappears from the video feed, but is still there on the chat messages to give you a little hint of where you might want to go and look for next. And then it's over to you for about an hour or so to try and solve the mystery of what has happened to Ivy. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you thought this initially, Tim, but I actually thought that that was an actor live. <laughs> yeah, the, the first <laughs> time you meet someone, I re yeah, I really did think it could be. It's very well put together. The, the links between when we're talking to each other on Zoom, when we're off elsewhere on the internet exploring things, and when they manage to bring us back to pay attention to some live video, some recorded video, which is meant to be live, or else some extra content in the chat, was really seamless, yeah. like technically, aside from um, aside from internet connection troubles from one of our party, aside yeah. from that, technically it was flawless. Yeah, and that is, I mean, I love the fact that they use Zoom, which is now this platform that everyone seems to be very, very familiar with since the start of lockdown. Um, but obviously the downside of these games is just the fact that everyone needs a really solid internet connection. <laughs> and one yeah, of our I mean, party uh, did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think a really good tip if you're going off to play one of these games is any if you've got sort of a, a team leader who is driving the situation as it were and they've got multiple tabs open because you're comparing different bits of evidence and research, Anytime you open a new link, just drop it into the chat so that everyone has yeah. access to it. Because especially when you've gone down a pathway <laughs> of putting in a couple of passwords or so forth, it can take a little bit of while to get back there if you suddenly lose it. So record your links somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, if someone volunteers to do the screen sharing because they've got a good internet connection and a very big screen, um, maybe just let them do it. Because <laughs> I well, that's, that's some personal shade rather than uh, <laughs> a critique on poor Swamp Motel. Um, yeah. So I absolutely. think one of the one of the things I wanted to say about the the experience that they put together is I really enjoy um, in not so much like an escape room that you get um, locked in, but when you go on these sort of outdoor running around adventures when they manage to use things that already existed mm. in the world. So they're not purely creating a closed, uh, fictitious bubble, but you can go and find things that really are on Wikipedia or really are on YouTube. Um, or, you know, if you're going on an adventure in the outside world, is like a real statue. You know, things that you would have seen every day. I really enjoy that sense of satisfaction of, oh, this was always here. I've learned something about the environment. Yeah, and I think to their credit, using those pre-existing tools that we, especially in this time, are very used to just switching from one search to another search, to clicking on a video, to clicking on a link. We, we've become sort of uh, very articulate in doing that, in using multiple screens. And I thought that, mm -hmm. they, that they really tied that in to the way that you play the game. Because essentially, it was a missing person investigation and the way that we then found clues felt really logical within the context of just 
using screens, sharing stuff in a chat, watching videos. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives you, I think when they, they manage to have a different piece, different directions you can go off for your research, that helps a bit more with the team play. Mm. Because when you've got an online experience, sometimes the onus on, you know, finding the right answer can fall on whoever's sharing their screen and is, is doing the leading. But when you've got opportunities to go out of that experience and research, it means everyone has a bit of an opportunity to chip in as well, which is quite important to try and bring the team together in an effort in this experience. Yeah. How did you find the kind of sense of team play I really as built by them it. rather than us? Uh, I think, yeah, in terms of the game design, I mean, maybe we can talk when we, when we think about who we'd recommend this for about how you could play it and might play it based on how we did. But yeah, in terms of the game design, I thought what was really nice was that there wasn't too much reading. There was a, an, a, a good amount of reading, but mm -hmm. that there was a multimedia approach to finding clues. Um, having done kind of murder mystery things before, I found that it's very reading heavy. And this actually used different types of clue finding in the game design. So for example, there was almost a kind of like, match a person's face to another person's face moment which was something mm -hmm. that I've never played in one of these kind of games before also as I said before watching videos listening to audio um that made that sort of diversified the experience which I think directly links into team play because as humans we all have different ways of absorbing information and some people pick things up in a more auditory way some people were very visual and I think that that really meant that everyone could find something. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people find it really hard to read things unless they're reading out loud, for example. Uh, other people, like you actually, Tim, find recognising faces really hard. So like the bit with the faces is good. It was illustrated. <laughs> yeah, because actually I found that. But if it had been a photograph, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah good this is true you're not this the best true. at recognizing faces um I can't do it yeah so i think it was good that there was a diversity in the clue mm -hmm. finding and i think that that definitely helped people have different insights um yeah. yeah i think one of the things that helps cement team play in these kinds of things and i'm, I'm thinking about live experiences i've had as well is when you have the opportunity to um slow down with the amount of evidence that's coming your way and you have to consult with each other and mm -hmm. kind of consolidate what you know so far and i feel like that's something that's really difficult to do online um because you're you're conscious of how much you need to get through and, and cram it in and actually specifically in this experience there wasn't a sense of um progress bar for want of another mm -hmm. term like you weren't sure how far through the experience you were so you didn't know whether you were ahead whether you were behind, whether you could slow down and have a chat about what was going on in the story or whether you needed to push through so that you got all the story. And I think that's a really tough tension for online. Mm -hmm. And that would be the one thing that I think could enhance team play a little bit more is if there's a forced stop like halfway through yeah. where you have to kind of go, right, what do you think is going on? Let's all chat about where we've got to so far. I would, if people kind of have the guts to do that when they're playing this game to stop for five minutes and chat, I would recommend that. But I know the, the urge to 
keep going and keep going faster is almost overbearing, especially if you're competitive. Yeah, I think that's a really good insight, actually, Tim, and something that didn't really occur to me at the time last night when we were playing. But as you're saying it, you're right, because I was actually surprised how close we were to the time limit at the end. I thought mm -hmm. we'd gone full pelt through it. And I don't remember spending that much time deliberating. I think that we lost a bit of time when our friend um, lost their connection and we had to kind of reopen all the windows. But it didn't feel like that long. It felt about six minutes, something like that. Yeah. But we actually ended with only 10 minutes to go. And this was given to us as an experience that should take an hour where we were given up to 90 minutes for it. Yeah. So I was a bit like, whoa, we actually were closer to the time than I thought we were. Um, which then means that we couldn't have slowed down much more than we did. No, so that, exactly. that was interesting retrospectively. Yeah. And I think that partly occurred to me because I recently played another um, online escape room game, which maybe I'll talk a little bit more afterwards, but it, yeah. it's, it's relevant to say it now, yeah. is that they did have a sense of progress because they very clearly said there are four sections in this. Like you, there are, you know, um, there are sort of four key passwords you need to get to get to the end game. Mm. So you had a general sense of, well, every 15 minutes we should have moved on to the next, yeah. you know, theme, the next, the next bit. So you knew whether you were kind of in trouble and had to speed up a bit or whether you got to a point where you could kind of chill out and have a look at some of the funnier content in it. Yeah, because <laughs> we couldn't really get to enjoy the things that they've made. Yes. And they hadn't made lots, but in terms of like little, little web content and videos and things, there wasn't, you didn't really feel like you could watch things twice or really mm -hmm. enjoy the design of, of something they'd done on a web page or the history of something yeah. they'd written up. Um, yeah, so that is, a, that is definitely a good point to bring up. In terms of the game design, do you feel like, there's anything in it that would have left certain players behind. I, I mean, I actually don't think that it was that hard in terms of puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was poke around amongst these resources and find the right answer. But it was more like a treasure hunt kind yeah. of vibe in terms of how difficult is it. Like, as long as you keep going, you will get there eventually. It's written down somewhere. Yeah. There wasn't... There wasn't anything that I really remember in terms of things like code breaking um, or any particular kind of riddles. It was yeah. all just find the answer. It's quite straightforward. So I, I actually think that's really accessible and I get the vibe that that's what they were going for. Like, I don't think they were trying to make it a really difficult escape room puzzle. I think they wanted to make sure they could concentrate on narrative and people could get through it. And I think they achieved that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was accessible enough that if you've never done one of these, you could definitely have a go at this and not feel out of your depth or overwhelmed at any point. Um, mm -hmm. It all, yeah, as you say, it all felt very solvable. I think that the, the biggest challenge was just attention for me. It was like missing things because you've skimmed over it too quickly rather than right. having to decode, as you say, or really problem solve. Yeah, I think that's where it would come in handy to have almost like a sidebar of history of stuff we've gone through. So you collect evidence along the way. And actually, this is 
kind of what happened with my other one mm -hmm. is that you have an evidence file that collects everything so you can go back to something if you think you've missed it or you want to have another look um, but when you're going on more of a linear adventure yeah that's it, it's all about that how fast do I need to go for yeah it? absolutely but, yeah and, and we you know, being are... nerdy like we all had either a note thing up on our desktops or I had like a hard <laughs> hard copy notebook <laughs> writing things the whole way through but yeah because it was so linear you probably didn't even really need to do that you could just copy and paste stuff from different web pages yeah yeah exactly the only real need to record stuff i think was to tie all the narrative threads together and make sure that you followed that because i think depending on again depending on sort of how um how you absorb information you could potentially get to the end of this and not necessarily realize what's happened yeah <laughs> like they don't it's actually interesting that the hardest part of this isn't the puzzle solving or the games it's the narrative yeah. I think that's the hardest thing to really absorb. That's the challenge. Yeah. And that brings it nicely onto, I guess, what I found was more in the kind of camp of negative of this, mm -hmm. is that I found that the narrative conclusion was not that satisfying um, without spoilers. It felt like there was so, so many layers to the narrative early on which perhaps if you really wanted to get into it might have been overwhelming in terms of how many layers of history and backstory they've actually gone to the time of building in. That didn't bother me. But what then didn't bother me was like the payoff of that specific build up mm -hmm. because it was very layered and it was sort of rooted in history. And that, that's not a spoiler, but uh, as a very, uh, as I've said many times on this podcast, like I bloody love narrative. So if you're gonna if you're gonna tease me with something, <laughs> I want mm. I want a good payoff. <laughs> I I wonder to what extent it was always planned as a trilogy, um, or whether you know whether that ending was just the end of a story they planned, or whether there's quite a lot of setup in in this episode, and I wonder whether it was always planned as a trilogy, and maybe that's why they wanted to leave it with a sort of slightly cliffhanger feel. But um, maybe we will find out in a, yeah. in a future episode. Yeah, because we're definitely going to play more of them. Um, so who would you recommend this to, Tim? You know, I think this is a really good option for people who um, are not so experienced with puzzle-type adventures like escape rooms. I think if you're a hardcore escape room person and you arrive at this, you might be disappointed by the lack of challenge, mm. if that's your expectation. But I think if you have... Um, enjoyed kind of more immersive theatre, um, interactive theatre, those those kinds of uh, punch drunk things, if you're aware of them, or if you just kind of want to dip your toes into what an escape room vibe might kind of be like, then it's a good option for you. Um, just remember to pick people that you can communicate well with so you get the most out of the experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and definitely pick people who feel confident in communicating, I think, because where you're on a video call and once you get into the nitty gritty of following the trail and you're opening lots of tabs you can't really see each other very well especially if you're on a slightly smaller screen like you can kind of see your little videos but um I think the one challenge as well would be that you need people who are either vocal or willing to pop stuff in the chat otherwise those people might enjoy themselves but not 
put themselves mm-hmm. forward as much as part of the process. Um, yeah. And as you say, it's, you feel like you're in a little bit of a rush, so it's very hard to like pull people forwards if you don't. Um, yeah, I guess if it, if it, if someone is less uh, assertive than than everyone else, but I definitely think you're right. It's definitely a good beginner's uh, introduction to these kinds of games. I can't remember. Was there an age rating attached to this, or would this be something you could play with young people, like not? small children because there was some kind of horror undertone yeah there are there are horror elements but i don't recall anything being graphic i don't remember that there wasn't any um language issues there wasn't any nudity there were suggestions of violence and there was historic violence Mm -hmm. but you don't see anything kind of particularly untoward yeah because i feel like if you've got a teen who's or a young teen who's kind of interested in this sort of stuff this might actually be a nice intergenerational game but yeah I mm-hmm. double check if there are any age ratings on it I don't recall there being any um but yeah I no. feel like this is something that could definitely unite a family who like game playing <laughs> um yeah. quite yeah. well um yeah so I think that brings us to the end of the chat on this if you've got anything else to add well, I would like to, I guess, talk a little bit more about the other um, escape room I did recently online. Just for comparison, yeah. I won't go deep into the story, but it's interesting to pick up the things that they did differently that I thought worked. Yes, yeah, so um, about about. So, well, the first comparison thing I'll do is really blunt, which is just that the group ticket for Plymouth Point is £55, mm-hmm. um, no matter how many people you have. For the online escape room I did, which was um, the, the same amount of time you get uh, between an hour and an hour and a quarter, was £25. So okay. if budget's an issue for trying these things out, then this is another good option because it's a lot cheaper, especially if you share it between four or five people. It's only a few quid. Um, so that's good. So they are called Escape Live, escapelive.co.uk. I played the game um, Rogue Agents which is, uh, you know, it has (laughs) similar elements in that someone's done something uh, naughty uh, and you need to find out where they've done. It's actually centred around art theft. So it's a bit, it's a bit less murdery. A bit Thomas Brown affair. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It feels a bit more heisty. So you have to find someone who has been adding to their personal art collection and stealing from various galleries, um, leading to their eventual hopeful arrest. Now, this one uh, didn't have any kind of sense of it being a live experience. You know, we didn't join, um, we didn't join a Zoom call with another person who guided us through the narration. And that also means that there's no live help. Right. Um, In terms of, oh, they should be at this point by now. Mm -hmm. But as I said, you get a sense of how far through you should get because there are like these four sections and you know how long you're supposed to take on it. And there there are clues that you can access if you want to that are recorded down and you get stuck. So you're not you're not without help. Mm. Um, There's much more of a sense of it being contained. I won't say you never leave kind of that area to do things elsewhere on the Internet because maybe you do. Um, but it's a lot more sort of uh, contained as you log on to this portal and lots of things happen within this portal. So you can share your screen any way you want. It doesn't have mm. to be Zoom, although, although we did. Um, and then as I say, you get access to different pieces of evidence and case files 
and it's quite satisfyingly varied. So you've got um, lists of art exhibitions, you get the passport of the subject, and you get um, evidence photos of what art he stole um, already that was recovered from his house. And you have to do things like piece together when an exhibit was on, with when he was in that particular country, um, with what piece was he looking for by the theme of the exhibition. And there's lots of cross-referencing of evidence, which is a good team activity. Because mm. it's a lot easier if you're on one piece and your partner's on the other piece, and you can sort of say, have you got one of these? And so forth. Um, there was also things like security camera footage you had to analyse to find number plates and phone numbers and things. Um, and it was... Um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to add it. There was like one more really spicy bit that I was going to throw in. Oh, I know. You get to hack into their computer and look through their sort of their private files and their internet history. Oh, wicked. And the point of looking through the internet history is to figure out, you know, which place they're targeting next and also look at their searches to determine where they're hiding out so you can go and arrest them. But there's really funny little details as well, which is where this how much time have I got? Can I play about thing comes in? Yeah. Um, where you can look at like all the cat and dog gifs they've downloaded and it just adds a kind of sense of fun to the character that you're hunting down as well that it's not all it's not all evil there actually is no time limit on this one because there's no live element to it you can log in and spend as much time as you want but they do say it will take you about an hour okay Oh, okay. So again, a great a great idea for beginners who are maybe just feeling their way around how this works. The puzzles are harder in this one though. There is slightly more difficult puzzle solving, but as I say, because there's no time limit, if you've got the time to spend figuring it out together, it's a nice way to do it. Pressure's off. Yeah. That sounds really fun. Um Yeah, it is. It sounds a bit more like some of the live things that I've done in that the way it's kind of broken up and yeah it reminded me quite a bit of something like um going to a puzzled pint mm -hmm. when you go to a pub and they say there's four clues and you have to tie them all together you have to get the keyword at the end of each one tie them all together to succeed and there's bits of like code breaking and sorting through messages it has that sort of vibe yeah yeah that sounds really good. So you'd recommend this again for more beginner level um, puzzlers. Um, but what did you, as someone who's more experienced in these things, find the level of challenge satisfying enough? I did, yeah. There were, there were a couple of moments where I was completely stumped. And it's, oh, I find with these, um, I get stumped if there's something that's completely out in the open staring in your face, staring you in the face, mm -hmm. but you looked at it and then just moved on. And you think, oh, I've done that, but you haven't. You haven't interacted with it fully. So there were a couple of moments where I had to backtrack and go, oh, actually, we didn't use this piece that we ignored. And really? that's where you can... Because there are probably about 30 or 40 different kind of screens you can look at to sift through all this evidence. So you can forget about something that you uh, you locked away, but nothing was so taxing that I had to get a calculator out or, you know. <laughs> it was satisfying enough. When, when you completed it, you felt a sense of achievement, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that's the main thing about these is, is that kind of team solving of things is such a satisfying experience. I love it. Um, yeah. So in terms of the games, 
how would you rate them? Or uh, as a number for mm. both of the experiences. Yeah. Oh, do you know, I'm for Plymouth points, I think largely bolstered by the atmosphere they created and how professional it felt and how they reached out into the existing world, I would give it an eight. Same. And... I would also give it an eight. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and for Escape Live, um, I think it's accessible in lots of ways in terms of its its usability and its costs and it has no time limit and i think for people who are looking for that sort of experience without any you know any extra wildness it's really good but will that one be the one i remember of the two no so i'm gonna give it a seven okay all right that's interesting i'm glad we arrived at the same rating for Plymouth point though i think like for, for all the little uh niggles i had with it i think yes as you say it's like really well put together very professional and so accessible so yeah definitely recommend mm -hmm. i'm gonna just take a quick break to figure out what's going on with my headphones so bear with me because my headphones have just suddenly stopped working technical difficulties technical difficulties evil robots fuck you in the ear technical difficulties <laughs> all right we are back um so I think this brings us nicely away from the realm of online escape room and mystery gaming into play it on your table escape room games. I'm going to have to move a few like wine bottles and chocolate boxes off the table, but I can play table. Yeah. <laughs> just going just to clear it. <laughs> Um, the games we're going to talk about have a lot of bits, little bits and pieces that you need to get out of a box, lay out on a table, uh, and they present you with scenarios and you need to escape the fictional scenario. Uh, so the games that I'm going to focus on are the Exit series of games by Cosmos. Um, there are loads of them, too many for me to bother to count. There are just loads and loads of them and they all take place in different settings. So you've got haunted houses, you've got uh, ships, you've got roller coasters, you've got science labs, you've got house of riddles, you've got uh, kind of pirate ship kind of ones. There are so many settings for these games, but they all come in a small kind of A5 size box and everything you need to play the game is inside the box. So uh, I've played three of these. Tim, you've played one? I've played one. I played the secret lab, but I have to say, having learned that there is one called the haunted roller coaster, yeah. I am definitely <laughs> not a haunted theme park. <laughs> Not like the full Scooby-Doo experience. Not a, not a haunted, haunted house. Specifically a roller coaster, which makes me wonder, like, how scary does it have? Because these are over in two minutes, a roller coaster. Yeah. Like, you know, how how efficient does that ghost have to be? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if that taps into those kind of, like, 80s horror films that are always set in a, in a theme park or, like, in a, in a fun fair. You know, those sort of like 80s teen films where something yeah. goes wrong in a fun fair. Um, I'm guessing it draws out that experience, but maybe you're right. Maybe it all takes place in a really long drawn out two minutes. 
<laughs> it might it. I mean that well that's that was my point. Like I can understand if it's a theme park, but yeah. just a roller coaster is testing my imagination, so now I want to play it. Maybe it's Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe they go into a another realm via the roller coaster. Of course. In because technically we could view the entirety of the 80s cartoon Dungeons and Dragons as being set on a roller coaster because technically we never saw that end. You're right. You are right. No spoilers for the <laughs> 80s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Uh, the unicorn was my favourite. Uni. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll chat about the secret lab and we'll also talk about the hidden cabin. Uh, the Forgotten Island is another one I did. And uh, wait, the abandoned cabin, sorry. The Forbidden Castle and the Forgotten Island. These are the ones that I've done. Um, and it's worth saying before we get into them that these are all rated out of five in terms of difficulty. Um, so all the boxes on the outside of the box will give you like a little system so you can gauge whether you, this is going to be hard or not. And when we talk about the games, we'll talk about uh, the relationship between the rating and what our experience was as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the games are self-contained, as we've said, and... They also have everything you need in the game. However, these are single-use games, which I think we'll talk about uh, a bit more as we get into it. So they're very sort of um, flimsy, lightweight paper and cards, bits and bobs that you'll get out. And to go with the game and to start you, you off, there's a booklet which contextualizes where you are and then starts you on your journey of escaping this situation. Um, so the first one I played was the cabin one. And that was a really sort of easy to relate with uh, horror scenario of you rock up and your car breaks down and you're in the middle of the woods and you see a cabin. So you think, oh, I'll just go and get some help. And you go into the cabin and boom, the door locks behind you. How are you going to get out? There's a code on the door. You can't get out. And so then you basically open this little booklet and go from there in terms of deciphering a bunch of clues. And each clue then reveals more cards. And so you get little decks of cards in there. And every time you turn over a letter card, that letter card gives you more clues or more parts of a puzzle. Um, and so it gets quite complex like some of the puzzles are multi-layered and you need to do things in a certain order in, in order to unlock all of the clues in, in order to be able to solve those puzzles um but in its essence it's taking you through a very loose narrative um with a trail of breadcrumbs that lead you to your eventual escape uh, and with these games there is a suggested time limit but of mm -hmm. course you're at home you can take breaks, you can leave it on the table and continue it the next day. I did that with one of them. <laughs> so you do feel that kind of sense of you're more in control of how involved in the time pressure you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my experience just in terms of like the time and the pressure, I played my game with two of the friends who I had over for a game night anyway. We were playing other games, we were having beverages. <laughs> and uh, yeah, by the time we got to that one, it, we sort of started with, oh, should we finish this in an hour? But um, it's 
it took us probably about half an hour to figure out what it was, <laughs> like what, what to do before we even got onto the challenges. And we were like, oh, okay. By that point, we'd already consumed a drink and had to pour another one. Um, and it's at that point you go, do you know what? Let's not hurry this. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it did not diminish the experience at all, I don't think. Yeah, and I think these games suggest the amount of people that it will be fun to play with. So they suggest a minimum of two. Um, I will confess I played two almost entirely on my own and still had loads of fun. So I don't think you, if you are on your own, like especially at this time, I don't think they're (laughs) something you definitely need another person for. But, you know, as with all of these things, it can be improved by collaborative gameplay and also the atmosphere that you and your friends or family are going to have going through this journey. <laughs> I, I think it's a very real suggestion to say to people that are on their own, you may want to play a game which fantasizes about escaping the single <laughs> yeah. room. <laughs> we talked about escapism a lot over the last year. This is taking it to its most literal point. <laughs> Definitely. And honestly, like having played, I played one almost entirely on my own and the second one more than half of it on my own. And it really is satisfying. You really feel like you're achieving something. <laughs> Light at the end of the tunnel. Get me out of lockdown. <laughs> yeah. It's very this very long, dark, girthy tunnel. There is a light, finally. Yeah. So when you played um your one, the Secret Lab game, mm-hmm. how I mean, you talked about figuring out how to start the game. And I, I also found that first sort of 20 minutes reading the instructional pamphlet quite confusing. I had to read it a couple yeah. of times and then start the game and then go back to it to really understand how the line of investigation would progress through the game. Was that your experience as well? Or how did... Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Both um, I and the people I was playing with are very rules-based people. Yeah. You know, we will get a game and read the booklet cover to cover before we start. We're not like, oh, let's figure out as we go along, we'll make up rules if we don't get it. Um, And so that's what we were attempting with this one. Little did we know that the game pretty much goes, here's an image of lots of things. (laughs) That's your starter. And you're like, but... but, (laughs) So... Do I do one? Do I do one first, or do the things relate to? And you know, there's um, there's a real kind of sense. I think, I think part of it might be not wanting to get it wrong, that hesitation of jumping right in. There may be some other people who will instantly start cutting things up and yeah. things and moving them around and being like, you know, the kind of person who would, I suppose, rather take an engine apart and put it back together again than read a manual and how it works. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah. we certainly struggled to begin. Once we figured out that there was a lot of lateral thinking yeah. involved in yeah. terms of the images, the gameplay started to make more sense and then it went along at more of a pace. Yeah, I think my experience was almost exactly the same except when I saw that there were things to kind of cut out and put together I was doing that while reading the instructions <laughs> it was more than like popping cardboard pieces out of a frame which you know you can't mess up you know that needs to be popped out of the frame the frame mm-hmm. is just to hold it in place so yeah I was definitely creating things while reading the instructions but as you say it doesn't feel 
a, like an instinctive instruction booklet. It feels like there's a lot of regulations to the way you're going to play the game. But then when you play the game, it's very lateral. <laughs> it's really yeah. weird. So yeah. that would be like one slight negative for me is that the instruction manual makes it seem like it's going to be hard work to understand what you need to do when actually all you need to do is open the first page of the story booklet and then boom, yeah. your clues are there. Um, so once I'd played one of these games, the next two I didn't need the instruction booklet because they were all, they all work in the same way. Uh, and so that was like liberating and I could just get on with the game. So, so mm -hmm. I think, yeah, with these games, you don't have that, that kind of fumbling at the beginning of every single one. Once you've played one, mm -hmm. you're good to go because they all have the same framework. Um, mm. But I loved the way that the clues progressed from one to the other once I knew that that's what was happening. I liked how many different ways they thought of to link one card to another or one page in a book to a clue, to a card, back to another clue. I thought it was really yeah. cool. Yeah, it felt like the design of it probably used lots of Venn diagrams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an unusual kind of, as you said in the beginning, to have something that's like a board game that's disposable. Mm. Like, what were you, what was your kind of feelings and experiences around that? I, it didn't sink in until I finished the game, and then so just to be completely clear, you get basically two packs of small kind of smallish cards, um, which are clues and um there's two types of cards that you get in the game anyway so small two small little packets of cards every game i've played has something that you pop out of a cardboard frame and kind of put together or use in some other way um you have two booklets and then occasionally there'll be like little cardboard counters or little other items that you need to use and once you've used it all of this is redundant and that didn't sink in until i finished the game and um, was like, oh, this just goes in the recycling bin, I guess. Um, I had to look up whether I could, in fact, recycle it because some of it was a bit glossy. And I mm. wasn't sure if it had plastic content. Uh, their website suggested it was recyclable, but I was a bit like, oh, I'm not actually sure because the cards, I think, were slightly glossy. And then there's also little plastic things that you need to pop off of. Like there's often a dial in the game yeah. and that has a plastic center. So if you're going to recycle that, you need to make sure you pop out any plastic bits. The same with the booklets. They had staples, metal staples. So I had to like take the staples out. Now, I know that not everyone is going to do that. And I know a lot of people will just put this in the bin. So mm -hmm. in that sense, it made me feel very weird playing a disposable yeah. game. And I was like, is this good? <laughs> Because I know mm. paper recycling, technically, it does get reused. Paper recycling is generally one of the better, more easy-to-do recycling processes in most countries. However, it still felt weird. It felt weird that I couldn't re-gift the game to someone else. Yeah. Because I'd ruined it by having... You have to ruin it to play it, essentially. Yeah, I, I think um, I remember in ours that... We hadn't necessarily torn anything apart, but if you were to give it to someone else, it would be obvious the things you folded and cut out and mm. it didn't 
it couldn't quite be uh, Gahir back together. So yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like as enjoyable as the game is, there probably, I don't think it's a, should this exist or not? I think there probably is a game that's very, that's like 90% like this, that you could add an extra 10% on to make it a bit more reusable. Yeah. Like find a way even to make it easier for people to re-gift it. I feel like there's a not too difficult design solution somewhere around the corner just to make these games a little bit more sustainable. Yeah. Uh, and in, I mean, in the games that I played, you did have to cut things. So there was no sense. There's Some of them were folding. So yeah, you could unfold the paper, but as you say, you've given the clue away if you if you folded it mm, in the right mm-hmm. way. Um, but there were some things you, you literally had to cut out. So, yeah, there is, just as you say, like use a little bit more of that ingenuity to figure out a way that even if you can't play it again, you can re-gift it and maybe make that part of the sell of the game. Maybe yeah. it's like like some of these games are dealing with curses. Certainly like one of them I played was dealing with a curse. So make that part of the game like you're passing the curse the cursing story on <laughs> you know like a lot of a lot of horrors are based around uh an object being found by another group of people and if they could wrap yep. that into the narratives of the games i think that could be really fun and add something to it um yeah but yeah i yeah i i think there are there are definitely some options that they could explore and maybe they will in their next generation of games i mean i think it was probably one of these it, it feels like it was one of these things that was created why well, I, I believe it is a married couple um in germany yeah, I think they are. <laughs> and yeah family, it feels like one of these things it? that they they created as a good idea and yeah. then it just got so popular that they made more and more and perhaps they haven't thought how do we evolve this but hopefully now you know that they've been successful and they've had more investment they can think about the next evolution of that yeah, and, and one thing to mention about these games as well, I don't know if you did it, but they produce soundtracks. So you can you can go on, on yeah. and listen to it, which I did for one of them because I was playing it on my own. I was like, oh, I'll just listen to the, the atmospheric soundtrack. <laughs> so I think if you've got that level of additional kind of digital supplementation of the game, perhaps mm-hmm. there's the things that are disposable about the game could be solved with another sort of digital medium. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's see. A bit of a hybrid, a bit of a hybrid model yeah. where the disposable elements are digital, but you can have a permanent sort of physical setting as well. Yeah. And just in terms of the gameplay, um, what, do you recall what challenge level your game was? Or in fact, I could look it up probably out um, on their rating. Uh, I've got the, the website in front of me. Let's see if I can see. It's, oh, three and a half. Okay, so that, yeah. How did you find, once you knew what you were doing, how did yeah. you find the challenge level of the puzzles? I mean, as I recall, we actually did find it, like, quite taxing. Mm. Um, and obviously, uh, the beginning, what are we doing aside, the puzzles did have enough elements in it that you had to not only hold on to one lateral thought, but multiple so it was quite challenging. We we did get through them all. Like we didn't ever get so lost that we need we gave up or we needed help or it took us more than a couple of hours. But um, I think what was good as well is that we we all began. We sort of did a team effort on each kind of stage of a puzzle for the first few minutes, and then invariably one of us would be like, "Oh, 
I've got this now. And then there's a certain amount of legwork to do once you've solved the yeah. problem, isn't there, of like writing decades or whatever. And so it'd go off to that person and the other two would move on to the next section and they'd start working on that. And so it, we found that there was a variety of problem solving and because we had a variety of brains among us, it was more likely that one of us was going to be able to solve a puzzle than the other. If I'd been doing it all by myself, I probably would have made it um, spread over a couple of days because I reckon my brain would have got tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I took quite a long time when I was doing the one on my own. So I did one that was a two and a half out of five, a three and a four. And I did the four on my own. Um, it took me quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. The thing I found, I, I'm the same as you. Like I found them a good level of challenging in that I had to think about things. And when I got it, I was really proud of myself. Like there was a couple where I just got it because my brain works in that way. And I was like, oh, they're reaching for this kind of puzzle. So then I would work backwards from, I know it's this kind of puzzle. Um, and I like that. that, that made me feel really good. What um, myself and my partner who I played most, like the other, the, the first two with, uh, struggled with was we had to cheat sometimes because the items that you were given in the box were too flimsy to do what they were designed to do. So right. without spoilers, there were two games where it was, you could only get the answer if the little cardboard things worked. And they're cardboard, but they're very, very thin cardboard. And it, the, the design of the puzzle depended on them being rigid. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go and get more cardboard, back this onto another bit of cardboard and solve the puzzle, which is just more wasteful and why. Or I'm going to have to cheat. And that was really frustrating because that was literally the tools in the box as well designed as the puzzle was, you, the tools in the box weren't sufficient to be able to do the puzzle. And mm -hmm. that was really frustrating. <laughs> no. And also yeah, as part of that disposability of the game is that actually, if the game was a reusable game, the quality of those particular puzzle items would have been such that we wouldn't have had that issue. Mm -hmm. So that there was a bit yeah. of like annoyance on my part for that. Did you have any that you had to either find a solution or get clues for? Because you had cards that you could get no. clues. No, uh, no, we didn't. Um, all the all the pieces worked. Um, in terms of the puzzling, we just we persevered. But I think having, as I say, different ways of thinking mm. on the team helped us push through anything that we might have otherwise given up on. Yeah, For I sure. think it really depends who you play with because we took quite a few clues, um, mm -hmm. especially in the first game, I think still getting used to the way that they link together. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I played on my own, I had to take quite a few clues. And th the clues annoyed me because when I got the clue, I was like, oh, it's because this thing doesn't fold in the right way. <laughs> and then that annoyed me because I was like, yeah. that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, there comes a certain point where you need to spare your own sanity on these things yeah and that's uh, me being I, competitive I think, with myself <laughs> yeah i think that would that would feed into my suggestion of who this is for though mm. i definitely think it's for people who enjoy tricky puzzles because it yeah. is all about the puzzle there's no like there's vague narrative but it's yeah. not you know it's not like the others we've spoken about um so for people who enjoy puzzles, but also to make sure you've got a team of people who think differently, because it will really help you 
to incorporate different perspectives um, just to save yourself from going crazy, really. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that recommendation. Um, but as I said, I would rec- if you are someone who enjoys your puzzles, I would recommend having a go on your own if you're stuck on your own at the moment because it is accessible. I'd maybe start with one of the lower rating ones. The one last thing I want to say about these ratings on these games, I know you've only played one, so you probably won't have the same feeling about it. I don't think the games get harder. I think that the links between the clues become more tenuous. And that's something that myself and my partner found. And uh, my brothers, Erin and Billen, also have played the same games as me, but we had the same games, so we had to play them separately with other people. But they Mm -hmm. said the same thing. They said they didn't find the puzzling harder in the harder level games. They found the clues, the links more tenuous. And so that becomes about you having to think how, in what weird way might they have found a link between these two things? And some of them were like, oh, really? (laughs) They weren't as satisfying as the sort of easier level game, which just felt like pure puzzles. So Mm -hmm. that's something I'd say to bear in mind. So maybe go in with a sort of two out of five or a two and a half, three out of five, even if you think you're a great puzzle, because I think it's more satisfying at that level. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. The rating is holistic rather than per puzzle. Um, So does that lead us on to your own rating? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to rate it as a collective experience because I found the games very similar. Um, that's not to say you wouldn't enjoy playing more than one, but I'm going to rate it as a kind of style of gameplay. So for me, I'm going to give these seven and a half out of ten. Partly because of the chucking stuff away. (laughs) I would have rated it higher if not. But I think the puzzle design and the ideas and the innovation with linking clues is actually really good. So yeah, seven and a half for me. Nice. I I would say that I really enjoy solving puzzles. I enjoy kind of like brain taxing things and to be able to do that, you know, with friends on a game night over some drinks as well is really fun. However, I feel like I could get that same experience by just extracting individual puzzles from other places. And if yeah. I'm going to assess it as a game, as in a construction kind of that's been made to deliver those puzzles, mm-hmm. it falls a lot shorter for me. Oh, okay. In that I feel like it could develop a lot more in the way they've managed to bring those puzzles in. So I would say more like a seven. Okay, well not that much shorter. I was, you were setting me up for a six. I was like, ooh, it's gonna be No, fun. no, <laughs> I don't think I'm harsh enough for a six. But I do, yeah, as I say, I do think there's a, there's a void between the experience yeah. of puzzle solving and actually what they've constructed as a game. Yeah, and actually one last uh, recommendation for this is if you're someone who is housebound for any other reason or shielding beyond um, COVID and you know you wanna get a feel for an escape room, I think it's, it's a nice sort of entry into what that might feel like. You just might need to get that atmospheric soundtrack on and maybe get a friend or family member who's really good at reading the instructions to like build the atmosphere for you but I think for people who can't get to escape rooms they're not very accessible for people with any kind of mobility issues let's face it so mm-hmm. I think that this is a nice way of having a go at something like that for sure bring your own theatricality yeah! to the table yeah definitely well I think that rounds us up Tim 
How are you going to... I feel rounded. <laughs> well, that's the wine and chocolate boxes that are still sitting on my table. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we've just finished our Christmas chocolate this week. <laughs> I think Merry I've got ha- like half... Merry Happy half New a, Year, I was about to say. Half a bar left. Just in time for Easter replenishment. So thank you very much for joining us for this uh, episode of My Turn Podcast. Um, please, please, please get in touch if you've played any other escape room type games or any of these online experiences. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts. Uh, and also, if you are willing and able, we'd love you to like and rate us. Uh, please, if you're on iTunes or if you listen on iTunes, uh, consider giving us a five-star review. We do this for free and it really, really helps us get out there so thank you very much again and uh you'll hear us again next time bye bye <laughs> see you later tim bye, bye.